a uh, one result of um, taking the Premiership. You posted on Twitter after the games at the weekend that basically it was a vindication for your outlook of negativity and gloominess that when you were all positive in the week before the Bayern and Chelsea games and that went disastrously wrong, um, you were all positive and it all went wrong and then you were all miserable last week and it all went right. So you vowed to uh, stick with misery. How's that going? It's hard. It's hard to be pretty negative about this. I think. I think the, the things are falling into United's place at the moment. Having said that, I mean, if, if you um, you analyse the, the games coming up, uh, obviously Tottenham in wonderful form, but their record at Old Trafford is just shocking. They haven't won in what since 1989. What 22 years? Um, no, nothing in the Premiership era. Obviously, Tottenham fans would have you believe that's all down to the ref. Of course, that's nonsense. Um, so I fully expect United to win on Saturday, as well as Spurs are playing. It's going to heap the pressure on Chelsea. Uh, home game against Stoke. I think that'll be massively edgy for them. I, I believe they'll win it. But then there's that crucial game where Chelsea go to Anfield and. We'll see. Do Liverpool have anything to play for? I mean, given that the FA today has pretty much handed them a European spot for next season, I'm not sure they do. We'll see. Um, so explain uh, what the... Because I've been at work all day and I haven't seen that. What, what, what's happened? They've, an extra Europa League place is going to the league because of Portsmouth's situation. Yeah, so the, the deadlines for applying for a UEFA licence are separate. Um so the, the UEFA deadline is May the 31st. So that means that Portsmouth have until May the 31st to apply for a UEFA licence, uh, which they need to play in UEFA competitions, and, and they need to show that they're solvent, effectively. So to get this company voluntary agreement in place, show that they're paying their creditors, have the meeting, um, and then they'd be allowed into European competition. But the FA's deadline was April. And the FA are saying, and, and of course Portsmouth didn't submit their uh, application by that deadline uh, because they didn't have all their accounts sorted out. And so the FA are saying there's no chance they'll change the rules and uh, therefore there'll be an extra place in the league. It pretty much guarantees that Liverpool will at least get a Europa Cup spot. And, and at the moment they're not in a Europa Cup spot. Villa are a couple of points ahead. No, and if you look at the remaining fixtures, they're fairly unlikely to get a Europa Cup spot. And that's why um, I kind of wanted to talk about the race for European places. I, I didn't realise that that had happened today. I think that's slightly disastrous news for United because I think there was a very, very, there is still a very realistic possibility that Liverpool are going to finish seventh um, because they've they've definitely got some tricky fixtures coming up. And, and Villa's games look eminently winnable. A, a lot will ride on how they do this weekend in the Birmingham derby because and then they're they're playing Man City who have gone off the boil and we should probably talk about that pretty dreadful against us at the weekend City were all over the place weren't they uh, they got their tactics badly wrong against United I mean they, they played the two up top for ages and ages and ages United had, just had an extra man in midfield Gibson and Fletcher just kept running past City's midfield and Allowed Paul Scholes so much time and space, it was unbelievable. And uh, before the game, I thought that that all the old legs in the United team versus you know, sort of City's energy and vibrancy would be a real problem. But City got their tactics so massively badly wrong. I think by the time that they actually changed that, United were so far on top, and the momentum was uh, was with us, and and uh, eventually it paid off. But to say we left it late was would be a bit of an understatement. Just in case anyone doesn't know this, um, my esteemed uh, podcasting co-host and the proprietor of United Rant uh, made his way via some sort of elaborate MI5-style infiltration into the Manchester City programme 
and uh, was touting the possibility of a last-minute Fergie time winner. Yeah, I hate to take credit for predicting these things, but uh, I think I'll just take some credit for predicting these things, yeah. No, I mean, it's pretty sweet, wasn't it? <laughs> was that the third time this season that United have scored an injury-time goal against City to win? <laughs> just magic. It's brilliant. And the fact that, you know, just the whole thing about Fergie time, and it's been, like, fair every single time, you know, and, and, and whatever, but just just the fact that, like, they switched off and let skulls in in the six-yard box with you know it's a fantastically worked goal I thought yeah and great ball in from Evra just kept pushing forward and there's skulls 35 years of age bombing forward to get into the box in the 93rd minute absolute magic and uh, that's desire for you you can't buy that well you know talking of desire I think everyone all around the world the smacker heard around the world we, we're pretty sure why Scalzi was so desperate for that the chance to beat Manchester City always a delight the uh, chance to put us with a shout of uh, the title again and the chance to lock lips with Gary Neville it was slightly disturbing wasn't it I mean check check out the uh, all the all the pictures of it Neville opens his mouth closes his eyes moves in oh. Scalzi cocks his legs slightly <laughs> it was there you go we're we're an open-minded club right we let all sorts in that's what that's what that's what Fergie said earlier this season Absolutely, it's um, it was it was a sight to behold. Um, United weren't brilliant against City. They were obviously a lot better than they were against Blackburn. Um, you know, a lot's been said like, oh well, if we'd got some points against Blackburn, then you know we'd be top now. And it, it oh, when I say some points, I mean three. Obviously, you know, just cause and effect is such a huge thing, and the fact that the the City game went the way it did. And the impact that that must have had on Chelsea, you know, the fixtures really favoured us. I think the fact that we got to play that first, and the fact that it was right at the death, and the Chelsea fans would all, the Chelsea players rather, would have probably been, you know, fairly much dancing around their imaginary trophy at that point, thinking we've really have got this locked up. Um, and then suddenly there it is. Oh no, the train of success that is Manchester United is coming trundling towards them on the tracks. And then they just completely bottled it against the team who we had done a massive favour for earlier that day, who uh, very kindly re- returned the favour at White Hart Lane. And Spurs were brilliant. They were just brilliant in that game as well against Chelsea. And, uh, they did us a massive favour. This is going. There are going to be some more swings. I'm, I'm sure. I, yeah. Obviously, United play first against Spurs. It would just game over if we don't beat them. But I'm sure we will. I just think Spurs are so poor at Old Trafford. And I know history doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you something. And that will put the, a lot of pressure on Chelsea for their game with Stoke. But it flips around the week after because uh, Chelsea play Liverpool at lunchtime. That's kind of unfortunate because Liverpool will have played their um, Europa League second leg match at Anfield against Atletico Madrid on the Thursday night and Saturday lunch Sunday lunchtime kickoff. Um and then we play in the afternoon, don't we, against Sunderland. I think I'm right in saying that. And so that will that will give us a bit more pressure to be chasing and obviously if Chelsea win, it's gonna be pretty deflatory. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm sure there's some more swings in this yet. Yeah, I mean the the reality is we're a point behind, so if we can win three games in a row and Chelsea drop any points, we are the champions again, uh, despite everything that's happened this season. And you know, perhaps perhaps it won't be our finest hour, but it, but it would feel very very sweet um, 
nonetheless. To talk about Tottenham for a minute, that their form's been pretty impressive over recent weeks, although not that long ago, of course, when they uh, they lost to Sunderland 3-1 away. They've they've lost every game against the what used to be called the Big Four. Um, so they uh, away from home, they lost 3-0 to Arsenal, 3-0 to Chelsea. Even the Scousers beat them, uh, I think 3-0, if I'm not... No, 2-0. Um, so Tottenham's away form still not brilliant and obviously their historical form of uh, Old Trafford, as you say, abysmal. They did look very, very impressive in their last couple of games, though. They did. I, I wonder if that's taken something out of them emotionally and physically, uh, although, of course, they've had a full week off. Um, yeah, and, and after the Arsenal game, that's what everyone was saying, that it would have taken so much out of them, they might be flat against Chelsea. But which I think they, which would... they weren't, yeah, they were, they were great. They definitely weren't flat against Chelsea. But just as much as the, the United-Man City result was important to United, it was also, of course, absolutely critical to Tottenham. And the fact that those three points, those, uh, that point was kind of snatched away. So it's essentially a two-point swing. But the fact that that point that City were going to get was snatched away at the last, at the last moment, um, meaning that Tottenham knew that if they won, they'd go into fourth and it was all in their own hands. And, you know, they, they, Tottenham look fairly... They're in a with a very 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 excellent shout of uh, of that fourth Champions League spot now in a way that I think most people would have found pretty difficult to conceive of a couple of weeks ago because because who thought they would get six points out of their last most recent two fixtures? Hopefully we'll uh, do something to um, put the brakes on that run for the time being um, and hopefully Man City will mess it up of their own accord because to be honest I would much rather see Tottenham in the Champions League than Man City yeah I don't really care City are are going to spend so much money it'll be utterly offensive this summer and um, and they'll make the top four at some point if they don't make the top four this season it's probably only going to delay it a year Uh, Spurs is the best best shot they'll have for a long time for sure well, they they need to do it and 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 the fixtures do fall in their favor okay they've got the the trip to old trafford but city play villa um and spurs and i i we'll see it's going to be super tight isn't it so it it is absolutely and and you know you, you say you don't care and I, I think that's a very reasonable position to take um i've always had a sneaking affection for tottenham uh, which i'm embarrassed to admit but there you go we can't. We all have flaws, uh, and they were, they were my dad's team, so so I think that's probably why. the The fact of City not getting into the Champions League next season will make a difference to the caliber of player they can attract in the transfer window, which will make a difference to the the way the title race shakes out next season. Oh, for sure, yeah. And if they, if they make the fourth, they're in the Champions League. They they will they'll spend huge I'm sure now they're still not guaranteed to get all the players they want because City are not one of the big European clubs right so if you're one of the top players you still want to go to one of the big European clubs I'd say but yeah, it's the situation Chelsea in, were in wasn't it sort of you know six years ago or whenever Abramovich turned up um, they definitely had no real European heritage had a, a little bit more English heritage in that they'd they'd got some you know decent results in the uh, Premier League, won a couple of cup competitions and all of that. Not, clearly, City haven't won anything in uh, what thirty four years and counting. Not that you're not that you are counting, of course. No, no, no. What what, what did I say? Thirty four years 
Yeah. <laughs> Th- was it thirty-four? I think it's thirty-four I, I, years. I think I said thirty-four years. Yeah, there was. I, a, I think there... we're gonna we're gonna have to enjoy this statistic while it lasts, though. It might get to thirty-five, but I think it is gonna. It's quite difficult to see that getting to thirty-six. No, it, it will. I, I guess it will end in the you know, nearer future rather than latter future. Although I did enjoy the Twitter joke that was going around this week with uh, Ash Cloud uh, found to be emanating from City's trophy room after they had a spring clean. Very good, yes. yes. That's just slightly more acceptable for broadcast than the joke you told me immediately before the podcast started, but we'll have to leave that to listeners' imaginations, or rather save listeners' imaginations from it. So the Scousers and the game against Chelsea, assuming that this weekend's fixtures shake out like we think they probably might with the wins for both of the top two, Liverpool with nothing to play for at home, all that Liverpool will be playing for is the chance to help their most hated rivals surpass them in number of trophies won. I think it's fair to say Chelsea are still the favourites for this title. Uh, yeah, I think I think they are. There was a poll on Empire of the Cop blog, and uh, at the time of printing, 46 and whatever percent of Liverpool fans wanted their own team to lose. I, I just, I, f- I find that mind-blowing. Not not just that such a large percentage of, of fans want their own team to lose, but they'd even put the poll up. This is uh, this is a team whose uh, hatred of United surpasses the love of their own team. I, I'm not convinced, Ed. I'm not convinced that were the situations heaven forfend reversed and we had the chance to uh, win a game that we had nothing to play for and... Liverpool would win we could help Liverpool win the league are you telling me it wouldn't even enter the online conversation because I, I don't buy it certainly wouldn't do on United Rant and I, I think most most uh, long time United fans are very much of the uh, the Gary Neville ilk here we just don't care about City or Liverpool or any of the others in terms of results it's us first and of course you know if if, uh, if, if there's an opportunity for someone other than uh, Liverpool FC winning the title, then, uh, then of course I'd like the someone other than Liverpool FC to win the title. But you know, fortunately, we we haven't been in that kind of position for at least twenty years. Yes, it's uh, starting to feel like very, very ancient history, isn't it? Talking of uh, potential double standards, like this is an uncomfortable subject to discuss. Once again, of course, the Manchester City fans. Um, well, let's let's. Let's just say that the the section of Manchester City fans inclined to do things like this because it's not everyone. There's just some perfectly nice, good family type people that go and support Man City because it's their team and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, it's fine if that's who you are, to quote Seinfeld. Um, but but the, the Munich chants were off the scale again and they were chucking the aeroplanes and... You know, understandably, there was some some kind of outrage amongst the Manchester United supporting community. But like, the one thing that always kind of I find really difficult in that situation is like, not that long ago when we played Liverpool at home, the whole ground was singing that we've won it three times without killing anyone. We've won it three times, and you could argue that there's some sort of moral difference because the the Munich disaster was an accident and. Um, their Liverpool fans had culpability in Heysel, but not the Liverpool fans who were there, maybe some of them, but you know what I mean, not the majority of Liverpool fans. The majority of people, you're talking about like horrific incidents that, that happened that they had no control over that they would have been horrified by. And, you know, the when Adebayor came on um, in 
the, the previous uh, clash with Manchester City, some of the United fans were waving around imaginary, you know, machine guns, and there were some rat-a-tat noises. And like, of course, it's a tiny, tiny minority, but I just, I just think that there's a there's a real problem where subhuman behaviour just gets accepted as part of terrorist culture or whatever, and and that a kind of double standard gets applied whereby obviously United fans are horrified by kind of Munich chants um, but but it seems to me that there's there's we, we, there's some tendency to join in with the chants going the other way which are kind of just as disgraceful well I think that's the whole thing about chanting isn't there it's a tribal thing and, and people do join in and copy and then sometimes if they sat down in the cold light of day I, I'm sure they, they wouldn't find that acceptable behaviour in the normal world um, and that's not to defend it and I think you're right I, I think we shouldn't engage in double standards here there are things that United fans have done over the years which aren't acceptable I don't accept that there have ever been any songs about Hillsborough or Old Trafford I've just never heard it and I, as you know I've been going a very long time maybe but I, I've i never heard that um, I certainly heard the Russian Submarine song when uh, City were relegated uh, a few years back, yeah, I've heard the uh, Without Killing Anyone song. There's the Arsene Wenger paedophile chart. Uh, I have to say, uh, not for a long time, but I've definitely heard hissing noises when Spurs visit, obviously mimicking gas chambers. None of this is acceptable, and uh, it would be nice if you know the banter didn't cross the line. Uh, having said that, the board have always been very good about being open and honest about what is and what is not acceptable. And I think they've said it in the fans' forums, they've said it publicly. There was a letter from uh, David Gill uh, sent to Manchester City, sorry, Arsenal, about the, the Wenger paedophile chance. And um, I, I wrote a piece on the blog this week. That's never been the case with City. And I think if they want to be a big club, they behave like one and they uh, they say what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And, and I get the impression, by failing to condemn, that the city board are quite happy. They think it's just a bit of fun banter. And it's right. not. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I am not going to pretend that there is not unacceptable chanting from United fans. I think the Adabayor thing was uh, pretty distasteful. Uh, I I watched it on telly. I wasn't at the match, unfortunately. So I didn't really hear it. But, uh, you know... You, the reports are out there that uh, this happened. I don't know how many people. Um, doesn't really matter. Uh, they they should have a bit more taste. Although the man himself's a bit of an idiot. Um, going to an awards dinner with a with a t-shirt with a machine gun on the front of it recently, right? Um, but but yeah, um, we have we do have to put these things into into um, some kind of context, and and that's to say that it's it's not good and it isn't acceptable. And United fans should be bigger and better than that. And, you know, I, I mean, you, your piece on United Rants kind of, I can't remember the exact language, but it was something along the lines of, you know, um, staying silent about it is essentially condoning it. And, and, and while, while I kind of potentially agree with that um, perspective, I, I can't say, I can't take the same leap of logic as you and say that because they've never said anything about it, the Manchester City board think it's a bit of harmless banter and a bit of fun. I, I just think it's it's... I just think that's a, that's a, a bridge of logic too far, but you might be right. You know, who kn- who knows what goes on in in these kind of circles behind closed doors? 
But well, certainly... they they are the club that thought it was funny to to you know actually pay money um, to put up a poster and you know trying to mock the other side, which is just a bit cheap. But no, there you go. I mean, and and that's a different thing altogether from uh, from uh, condemning Munich chanting, which they should have done a very long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but on to um, happier matters. Uh, the United Reserves won the title, hopefully showing the senior team the way to do it. Yeah, it's a it's a short season in the reserves. I, I think they only play something like 19 games or something like that. Um, 20. It's, it's, uh, there's not many teams in the league, uh, but they've won it with a couple of games to go. Um, Liverpool failed to get the result they needed on Tuesday night, and uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's reserves uh, have won the title. The academy side is also six points clear after beating, I believe, Crew the other night. So it's all very good news with the young the young players and um, I. Uh, piece on the blog this uh, week in fact today um about all the the good young players we've got uh, loads and loads of potential but it is only potential history tells us that very few players will actually make it into the first team um talking of oligona solshire uh, you also wrote a piece on the site about the uh, contenders to the crown it wasn't on our running order but hopefully you'll have your quick improvisational wits about you, Ed, and we can have a little bit of a conversation about who's going to take over from the boss. First things first, Ferguson hasn't said that he's retiring, although uh, it appeared in a hell of a lot of newspapers and some heavyweight ones at that. that uh, yeah. I, I would say that someone on the board is uh, letting it be known via certain agents that uh, uh, to find out whether certain people are interested in the job. Yeah, this is the way things work in football. There's not a chance that United would go and approach, say, Jose Mourinho without knowing first whether he was interested in the job. Um, so, yeah, some people are putting it out there that that might be the time scale. And um, so there is something in it. And um, there's something in it that um, Jose would like the job. There's also something in it that, that some people on the United board would be prepared to entertain that idea. I'm pretty sure there's quite a few others that wouldn't be prepared to entertain it. I also think the timelines probably don't work. I, I think that's the real problem, isn't it? If it was this summer, then yeah. I think he'd be an enormous favourite. I think he will probably end up at Real Madrid. He would like to try uh, managing in Spain. I, I don't think Real Madrid would have been interested in him in the past. Uh, certainly, uh, Florentino Perez has said that he's not my kind of manager, and they'll get the flags out, the, the white scarves out uh, very quickly. And if uh, Mourinho is playing winning football, but not with the kind of flair that uh, is expected, but he, he fits all the things that Florentino Perez wants as well. He's uh, yeah, he has that kind of big personality. He's marketable. He's you know good looking, and uh, and that's what Perez wants essentially. And uh, I I I really really don't think that's what he wants in the manager manager's role. Though I mean, f- forget the style of football. The reason Perez says he's not my kind of manager is because he wouldn't let him pick the team. You know, <laughs> he, Perez likes a puppet. You know, this is this is true, and that, and perhaps that's the one thing that will stop Mourinho going. The the manager's job at Barcelona won't be available. Uh, this summer either though and so uh, if Mourinho wants to go to Spain he would have to go to a, one of the lesser clubs and it's and and that's just not going to happen there are only two two clubs in Spain that actually count Italy he's not going to move anywhere else in Italy they all hate him um, so 
and he hates them. And uh, and the two jobs that will be available this summer in England are at Manchester City and uh, Liverpool, uh, at least the two big ones, possibly Aston Villa too. So you could see him potentially going to the City or Liverpool, but certainly end any hopes he might have of, of joining United. And, and you know, out of those, those two teams, one of them's got... Um, uh, plenty of money but no recognisable history or kind of gravitas and the other one's got uh, plenty of history and gravitas but nowhere near enough money for Mourinho um, which also potentially could be a problem with him coming to the United job because he would not have Mourinho type money to spend would he? No I almost certainly not no 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 uh, what would you I mean assuming that maybe he could especially if he wins the Champions League he could he could which is now not looking exactly implausible he could definitely get another season out of Inter if he wanted would you want Mourinho to stay at Inter for a season and then come and manage United how would you feel about that there's certain things I like about Mourinho I, I, I don't mind his big personality I, I've I find him quite engaging and funny. Um, I don't. I don't know whether that'd be quite the same if uh, he was a United manager. I think I might be hiding him behind the sofa quite a bit. Uh, I think he, obviously he's big enough to manage massive egos in the dressing room. He seems to get the best out of players. I think he builds teams that are greater than the sum of their parts. Um, those are all the plus things. He's obviously got a, a you know winning track record. On the minus side, I don't know if he's got a great track record in the the transfer market. He spends big. If you spend big, you 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 know get big players, and that ought to produce something that's winning. Uh, when the chips are down, I don't know whether things have gone right for him. Uh, he spent too much time moaning about injuries at Chelsea and uh, not enough time uh, trying to get the best out of what was there. Uh, when it all went wrong in the the part the last couple of seasons he was at Chelsea, he has no track record of investing in youth or playing youth. Uh, it's all about the here and now. Who knows whether he's interested in the rest of the club? Fergie has this all-encompassing view of the club. Um, maybe we'll have to change our structure when Ferguson goes. So there are a lot of negatives with Mourinho too. Uh, I think personally, I'd feel more comfortable with someone else at the helm, but knowing that Mourinho would get a ton of results for United that's the thing isn't it it's 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 what price success you know what 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 price lots of trophy winning seasons I, I actually know. think it's it's stability we want as well because Mourinho yeah. would last what two or three seasons and then he'd want yeah. to go do something else and and um you know a Moyes or a or an O'Neill would would be in it for the long term if they were successful and they might have to do it on less money than in the past but I think, David, based on the fact that there's less money than in the past, David Moyes is a fantastic candidate because, really, I mean, he should basically have won manager of the season every season for the last, you know, maybe with a couple of exceptions for the last five years. The guy has done an unbelievable job at Everton. Their league results have been a little bit up and down over the six years he's been at Everton. Um but yeah, he's got a really good team together. They're they're fighting hard for a Europa Cup spot. I don't think they'll get it. They'll just miss out on it. But they've they've done really really well. He's uh, obviously a very serious man, and uh, but he you know he has a decent relationship with the press. Uh, is he big enough to to follow Fergie? I think he could probably he could probably deal with it. He's he's not a willow. Um, 
I could see him in the hot spot, and you know it's certainly a very difficult task following Ferguson with the the kind of global appeal that United have as well. Tactically, is he the right man? Yeah, he seems to innovate. Does he have the right experience? No European no. experience whatsoever. Um, especially if if uh, we're talking about next year when uh, Giggs, Scholes, and Neville will and Van der Sar all retire, you strip United of a, a lot of experience, and then you have an inexperienced manager coming in uh, with not much money. Could be difficult time absolutely and and you you've anyway it's a brilliant piece ed um if you don't mind me saying and you you go down a a very good uh long and short list of potentials and and once again i I know this is like this is pure sentiment but but out of the whole list the one i i would most like to see as manager of manchester united is is it's ridiculous thing to say and i do apologize for saying such ridiculous thing but it's ollie because United need to build a legacy. That, that's what has to happen, and it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, how do you replace Sir Alex Ferguson? You know, it just it just can't be done. So you have to you have to replace him with someone who's going to be able to build the next period of legacy. And I would like to see somebody given a chance to do that from within the club structure. Um, even though I'm sure that's a completely fanciful and ridiculous idea, and there's plenty of plenty of excellent logical arguments why that's a stupid thing to do. Yeah, well, when um, Gianluca Vialli took over Chelsea um, a few years ago now, Marcello Lippi said it's like putting a learner in charge of a Ferrari. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think that would unfortunately be a, a step too far. If if he'd been United's uh, second in charge for the last couple of seasons. At a push, you could say, yeah. Reserve team coach, it's too many steps removed. He's not even working with the first team on a daily basis, let alone has the experience of managing a club the size of United. It seems hard. Having said that, Pep Guardiola did it at Barcelona with one season in charge of Barcelona B. They have a different structure in that. They have many more layers of management that deal with the financial and contractual and the signings and different splitting club structures between Barcelona B and Barcelona Main. So it's not the same as United. And that's what I was saying earlier about United might have to change the structure a little bit. I don't know whether they can bring someone in that looks after absolutely everything because Ferguson is not a pure coach. I mean, he's taken maybe 10 coaching sessions in a decade. He just doesn't do that. He picks the team, he motivates, he looks at the big structure. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's director of football and manager all in one. And, and it might be that United can't keep, keep, that, um, keep that kind of structure in place um, ongoing. If you could just completely, like, without putting reality aside, if you could pick one person off the list of candidates that you've suggested, who would it be? Bearing in mind your... Uh, Paul Le Guin disaster a few years ago. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just said I think Alexander Solskjaer should be the manager. So, bearing yeah. in mind my Paul Le Guin disaster years ago, I, I'm going to uh, sit on the fence and say uh, yeah, a mixture of a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. No, I'm going to press you, Ed. I want you to. I want you to pick one off that list that you'd like to see. Do, 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 do. Time's up. Sorry, Paul, and I think that's the end of our show for this week. And uh, but before we go, um, bearing in mind what's about to happen this weekend, I just thought it was appropriate to give everyone a little chorus all together. Now you probably know the words: Oh, 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 Delilah, oh, 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 Delilah, come on, you Stoke. <laughs> 